When you're lost in the darkness, look for the pod. Specifically, the Prestige TV podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, where we're breaking down every new episode of HBO's The Last of Us. On Sunday nights, grab your battery and join Van Lathan and Charles Holmes for an instant reaction to the latest episode. Then head back to the QZ on Tuesdays for a deep dive with Joanna Robinson and Mallory Rubin. From character arcs to video game adaptation choices, story themes to needle drops, we'll parse every inch of this cordyceps-coated universe. Watch out for mouth tendrils and follow along on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Something huge happened last week. Sure did. Last two weeks, really. Gwyneth Paltrow was having her trial. Yeah. She was dressed in her stealth wealth Mm -hmm. attire. She won. She won her countersuit of $1. That's true. Can I just, can we go back? Was it stealth wealth? I think because there were no like labels, that's like why it's being called stealth wealth. But that's just wealth. (laughs) Yes, it's just that was a display of wealth and also owning your own clothing line of which she was promoting relentlessly. What a turn for Gwyneth Paltrow. So she won. And -hmm. then on the way out, as she's bidding adieu to her her foe, Terry Sanderson, she leans over and she says to him, I wish you well. (laughs) (laughs) The official motto of Jam Session. Did you hear from people in your life? As did I. And I just want to say thank you to all our listeners and to everyone who (laughs) saw a lip reader read Gwyneth's lips and guess that she said, I wish you well and reached out to us because it was in many ways the pinnacle of what we've been doing here. So thank you. People use this term a lot and it's used on The Bachelor in a completely disingenuous way. Mm -hmm. But I do like feel seen. Like by Gwyneth Paltrow saying that, I do feel feel seen. She certainly does not wish Terry Sanderson well, but she also like, she wishes him well. Like, it's just, you know, it's everything the jam session is about. It's like, you know, sending away those you don't care about with a fake good luck to you and going about your merry way. Exactly. We're done here. We're done here. I wish you well. I hope to never encounter you or this situation again. Good luck with that and carry on. What a, what a time. Yeah. I, I'm happy for her. Did you, what's your overall takeaway from the trial? How are you feeling about Gwyneth? I feel like you're in general less invested than Gwyneth than I am, though quite invested. I would say I follow her exploits, but I don't like her. I've never. dislike her? I just like, I understand that what she's doing, she's aware of, like she's doing something. It's not like she's like some, you know, just oblivious rich woman. Like this is, this is all a plan. 
It's going mm-hmm. well. She's made a lot of money. But like, I don't know. I I don't find like her, I don't find her antics to be humorous. And I don't like going into stores where I can't afford anything. So Fair enough. <laughs> the Goop store and the Brownwood Country Mart is like the most expensive place I've ever been. So yeah, there's just not a lot for me there. Also, I don't care about wellness. Like the wellness industry, I am not interested in. So that's also a negative. And like vagina gags, I'm also not that into. Yeah. So I, I, ha- I have no interest in in that documentary and that line <laughs> of products. I don't read the updates. I'm with you. I do think, you know, we have to tip our cap at someone who was very early to the newsletter game and was really a pioneer in that wave of merchandising the self. So like I acknowledge that. I'm like, I acknowledge what she's doing, but I'm not a fan. What do you think? What do you think about her? I'm a fan. I like I always have been, despite reservations about really anything that she says about the physical body at this point. <laughs> and certainly with all of the vagina stuff. And I I know that she can be polarizing and she hasn't been good in every movie that she's been in, but she was good in a lot of them. So I just have always found her particular persona as like the the most popular girl in high school mm-hmm. who also knows it and is getting away with it like simultaneously to be hilarious. So I have I just and I, and I typically like her taste in clothes, travel recommendations and mm. movies. Yeah. In Mexico City, I stayed at a hotel she recommended and it was it was lovely. Yeah. Wasn't that expensive, just to be clear. I just continue to be really entertained and perplexed by, but in like an amusing way, all of her choices. Like when she built a whole like cavern spa in her home, Mm -hmm. you know, in Montecito, like why? Why are we doing that? But And then why are we sharing that on the cover of Architectural Digest? But, you know... If someone's giving me a steady stream of content of like, here is my cavern sauna and also like my, you know, plates and the way that I laid out my kitchen and then here's my ski trial and just low stakes, ridiculous content, mm-hmm. I, pre- I appreciate it and I'm entertained sure. by it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I was just looking back at her IMDb like, as we were discussing. I was like, what's my favorite Gwyneth Paltrow movie? And I couldn't think of any. And then I realized it's obviously the Royal Tenenbaums. And then uh, fo- closely followed by the talented Mr. Ripley. And while I don't like Iron Man, she's fantastic as Pepper Potts. She's great in that. Is that her I, name, Pepper Potts? That is her name, though she could barely remember that. That's another thing. Remember the, you know, yeah, the so clips she, of her yeah. being like, I wasn't in Avengers or whatever. I mean, that's how I feel about those movies. I just, I appreciate it. I think she's really funny. I don't understand half of what she does, but I'm amused by it. I think I prefer her as an actress to just like famous person. Like I prefer her as an actress and a celebrity, but also I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think she's, do you think she's like a stoner? Like, but that ex- I never thought about this before, but I'm just sort of like, would that explain a lot of what's going on here? She could be slightly. I no, I think she's too type A to really be a stoner. Mm. You know, I like. I think, and also, I think if she were a mega stoner, she would talk about it more. Right. 
she it might be part of like the wellness California thing. But no, I think she is just a little. What about microdosing? I could see her microdosing. I'm sure she's tried it. I don't know, like long term. You know, that's another thing. They, you know, I stopped subscribing to the Goop newsletter because they just like emailing me about like an ayahuasca trip every day, and I was like, I don't need this, you know. So I, I just I stopped checking in. The only thing I know that Gwyneth Paltrow is doing regularly is like accepting money to do paid promotions for a series of posture correctors and like wrist supports. And I, I can't get over it. Like recently she did one that was just like a normal wrist brace that you use for carpal tunnel, which like that affects a lot of people and do what you got to do. But I was like, this is not her. Is she sitting at a computer? I don't know, but it wasn't (laughs) even like, I'm curious what the company thought they were getting from this because, I mean, it's just pure exposure, but it's not even like the ad was styled in a way to give it like the goop touch, you know? It wasn't like, she didn't look in any way like cool or even, you know, stylish or like, you know, it's not like millennial pink or whatever. It was just like a (laughs) damn brace. And I was like, like, what's going on? Like, what are you... Is what are the financials here? I know you always make fun of me for like worrying about people's finances, but I was like, I I guess you're concerned that the trial is not going to turn out the way you want, and you're going to be on the hook for someone's legal expenses. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. She seems like she's just loving life though, so I'm happy for her. I guess. Do I wish her well? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not ready to send her on her merry way. I'm going to continue following along, but. I enjoyed the memes. I definitely enjoyed the memes. What did you think about the Dahmer glasses? Like, why do you think she chose that style? I think it's like vaguely on trend right now. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was the strategic use of glasses to distract from aging that all women of a certain age in Hollywood tend to do from time to time. I don't think she needs to do it. I think she looks wonderful. Well, we love a glasses formal look here on Jam Session in addition to wishing people well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's not the glass formal glasses choice that I would have made either. I would say no. that's that's not my uh, choice of uh, of frames. But you know, I liked all the sweaters. They looked very nice. I'm sure they're incredibly expensive. They're not even cheap on the real real. Just so you know, G label on the real real is still like three four hundred bucks a sweater. Like, what are we doing? Wow, she wore that one overcoat that I liked. It was from the row. I think it was like a right. olive green. Yeah. I don't know. Gwyneth Paltrow and Ashley and Mary Kate Olsen's clothes, like, I don't think they make a size that would fit me. Like, I'm just like, eh, I don't think so. I, At least not in the way that it's supposed to fit, which is to be extremely drapey and, like, hide the fact that you are a embodied figure. I I don't know about G-Label. I've tried on a few G-Label things, and the, the sizing was weird. I think the row would fit both of us. Unfortunately, I don't know because I've never allowed myself to try anything by the row on because it's so expensive that I can't even have it in my aura. I would mm. love to, mm. but I would absolutely love to. That it that would bring me no end of joy, but it is prohibitively like it's a whole other level behind G beyond G label in terms of pricing. Yeah, I'm just like, do people actually buy this? Like, they just yes, give it out I, for free? I mean, no, they. I think people do buy it, just not us. Wow. Okay. Well, 
Gwyneth Paltrow, what a tour de force. I would say it's the celebrity story of 2023 so far. Yeah. Everyone really seemed fascinated by it. I guess it was just like good real reality TV with no stakes. Yeah, it's like the OJ trial, except no murder. It's court court TV with celebrities is very popular. So I know. I think I was still sort of surprised at how popular. I guess I thought people had moved on from Gwyneth Paltrow besides me, you know? I think there's a real, a real yen, a real desire for, as you just said, reality TV, but actual reality. Like I mm-hmm. think that there's not a lot of interest in like the lightly scripted shows or, you know, the very predictable format. I think the Scandaval situation is also representative of that where like identifiable people having like real foibles that you can name that like cheating or bogus lawsuit or skiing or like plight of the wealthy, like just these sort of very quotidian things. I, I think there's a real like craving for it. And I, I think the, the, the court TV aspect of it is like really a throwback to the earliest days of reality that I think people like just really want because it's otherwise so contrived these days. No, I mean, that's perceptive. That's always what I want, you know? Sure. But I've never felt like a particularly like ethical or on-trend consumer of celebrity news. So, <laughs> what does ethics have to do with it? Who cares? Well, I mean, I feel like we always come back to this. In, in this case, this was the nice thing about the Gwyneth Paltrow case, which is like, you know, aside from, you know, Terry Sanderson's declining health, which I I I do feel for him. It doesn't seem like it had much to do with his collision on the ski slope with Gwyneth Paltrow, but... You know, that's it's no joke. Besides that, like nothing was at stake at this. Right. Yeah. So you could feel OK. And it and it was like on display. So you could feel totally fine and have a lot of fun indulging in this like real life thing. It, often when we're prying into someone's relationship or legal affairs or financial affairs or whatever, it's or just what they're doing day to day. We're like dissecting paparazzi photos. And, you know, we always talk about this. We know that those are not taken under the most respectful circumstances, but I still, I'm just always like, well, this is more interesting to me than whatever is happening on a reality TV show where I know people are signing up for this stuff. So again, ethically dubious, but here I am. So I guess everybody else agreed on the Gwyneth one. I don't know. That's a good segue into something else I wanted to talk about, which is the yes. Reese Witherspoon divorce. Yes. Reese and Jim, moving on. Yeah, you called this. Yeah. I don't really remember the circumstances, but I know that I discussed it, particularly with Bill Simmons. And I was like, they're on divorce watch for me. I think they just hadn't been together in public for a while. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just was like, I, I just felt this coming. Not surprised. Reese Witherspoon is probably, do you think she's made more money off of her non-acting than than Gwyneth Paltrow since she sold Hello Sunshine for $900 million? I mean, I guess I don't know the structure of the the deal and how much money made it to Reese Witherspoon versus... But yes, I think probably Hello Sunshine at $900 million is a higher valuation than Goop would get today. I think so, too. I think so, too. Also, it has a lot of different extensions and also... Dictates the book market. They've got a lot of hits. There's a lot of different extensions, pods, etc. I think it's also understood that they made that $900 million deal at like a particularly fortuitous moment for yes. deal making of that sort. 
Right, which certainly would not happen now as exactly Hollywood is rife with layoffs. I love Jam Session Finance. We should just do a spinoff <laughs> and then we'll just be like, it was a great time for the market and I don't know about this valuation. So a few different headlines have come out from like Radar and Hello Magazine and even People with unnamed sources saying that a few things have contributed to this divorce and they all... All those three that I mentioned point to the diverging career fortunes, no pun intended, of Jim Toth and Reese Witherspoon. He left CIA to work at Quibi, which is one of the biggest collective memes, jokes. I don't know, just like everyone laughed except for like probably Jim Toth and Janice Mann and David Katzenberg when that came and went in like six weeks, literally. And since then, I don't know what he's been doing. And meanwhile, she's just been on the up, like really since... I don't know. The Reese Renaissance really started in full force with what? Big Little Lies? Or was it before that? Yeah, probably Big Little Lies. I guess she was like nominated for an Oscar for Wild. Mm, And that sort of like lays the groundwork for a lot of the, you know, the book to TV. Did you know that people read things? Right. Women in particular. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so like there's, there's the last like six years for them have just been totally divergent. Like his, he's sort of flailing. One of these tabloids had midlife crisis. And and meanwhile, she's, you know, sold a company for $900 million. And many of these articles and taken in some would suggest that her success is what drove them apart. A a tale as old as time. I don't believe this. I just don't believe it's that simple. And I am resentful of the narrative. In fact, I put in our outline, it's a nefarious narrative. So it's so funny because... I, as soon as you broke the news to me that they were getting a divorce, and my first thought, as soon as I read the text, was, good Lord, she is going to have to give him so much of her money. Like, that is what I thought. Because, and so, and I thought that in a way of, like, that sucks, that Reese Witherspoon, this very successful person who I admire, has to put her, like, give her former agent, now seeming like, like, sort of, like, aspirant, like do nothing Hollywood guy, like a lot of money. <laughs> so I inter- I had the same narrative, but like in a way that reflects poorly on him, if mm. that if that makes any sense. So that's that was just how I responded. So I see what you're saying. And it is true that traditional interpretations of marital relationships, Hollywood dynamics, and you know, how tabloids work like back up what you're saying but my response was just like oh that sucks it she just must have been tired of him notoriously get things done person Reese Witherspoon she doesn't have time to have an unemployed former agent just sitting on her couch you know well a couple things I appreciate the concern for her finances this has one been one of my primary concerns for Jennifer Lopez so I understand of course yeah she has a prenup. I don't know if it accounts for like such a gigantic windfall, but I think she'll have to give him less money than the state of California would suggest otherwise without a prenup. So that's great. Good mm-hmm. news, Reese. Good agenting, Jim, back in the day. Good lawyering to all, whomever that is. And I think I think it's different for you to be like, oh, she has to give him all her money versus like you're just acknowledging that she's rich and he's he's not as rich. Mm-hmm. Whereas like these magazines are like, you know, things really took a turn when her career started going even better and his was, like, flat. And, like, I do think that there's, like, obviously some truth to that. Like, I just think the the, the, redun- the reductive nature of, like, her career took off 
so they broke up is just like it's just very very frustrating because it also takes away like the fact that it sort of it sort of like puts a like a, a tint over what she's accomplished and like I like Reese I, I don't know your place or mine was terrible but I think she's great <laughs> great to have around great to have in, in this life enjoy her content but like it just sort of like sucks that like her fortune again, dollars and, and otherwise is like being like blamed for her divorce. And maybe she's just like, I'm done here. I'm ready to move on. I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I think you're right to point out that like the, the takeaway, like the suggestion underneath all of that is that their marriage could not accommodate her success. So it was either you can either be a successful person or you can be married, which is like obviously total bullshit. And that, and, and also that it, if the marriage could not accommodate her success, then her success was like at fault for the the thing. That's all bullshit. Totally. Maybe maybe he's just like, maybe he's just really unpleasant to be around. Maybe he's depressed. Maybe he cheated. Maybe she cheated. Reese Witherspoon does not put up with unemployed people. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with being unemployed. Just if you choose to be unemployed. Well, right. Exactly. That's what I meant. It's it's more the laziness. Exactly. That we are assuming, but I agree. I have to say, I use Jim Toth as like example of all that's wrong with many a man in Los Angeles. Like he is like the archetype for me of sort of like douchey dresser. Just everything about his, his aesthetic is like, is like shorthand for me for like LA douchey guy. Yeah. Sorry, Jim Toth. I, I've I've never met him. The shirts that I've seen in the more casual photographs with Reese are, are alarming to me. And <laughs> I, in general, think that he has definitely had a downshift of his own making in the professional space. So, Quibi man, haven't, haven't thought about Quibi in a while. So, yeah. thanks thanks to all the the tabloids. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Rockstar Energy Drink. Be honest, are you procrastinating by listening to this podcast? It's okay. You just need Rockstar Focus. Choose from three delicious flavors, each crafted with ingredients for an ideal energy and mental boost, like lion's mane, 200 milligrams of caffeine, and zero sugar. Visit rockstarenergy.com to learn more. At least 75 milligrams of caffeine has been shown to help improve attention. Next, when I was looking at the internet to think about what we would discuss on this podcast today, mm-hmm. I came across a Hollywood Reporter article about how Jennifer Lawrence's assistant has started, like, has she started a company to match high-profile people with assistants? It's like a matching 
like a, like a headhunter slash matchmaker slash assistance. I don't even know what I'm saying. And I, I just thought this was so funny and weird and I don't have anything else to say, but I just like really needed to mention it. I don't know. I guess like good job by this woman whose name I will tell you. Cause it's, should give her, give her her credit, but her name is Megan Grimm and it's called Clyde staffing. What do you think the screening process is? That's a great question. I don't know. What do you think Jennifer Lawrence's stake is in this company? 20%? I bet it's higher. You do? Okay. Yeah. But also, like, did was it... I mean... Did, did Megan Grimm have to find a replacement for herself to also run this company? Respectfully, like, how much overhead and infrastructure do you need in a matching company <laughs> at the beginning? It, this sort of felt like a placement in order to launch a company type thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe that means Jennifer Lawrence is taking the whole thing. Does this just mean that Jennifer Lawrence's, like, friends are going to be assistants for everyone under 40 in Los Angeles? Or not friends, or people, you know, from this fear of approval? I think, so here's the list of people that Megan Grimm has matched with assistance per, per, per The Hollywood Reporter. Anne Hathaway, Brian Tyree Henry, Uma Thurman, Dakota Johnson, Benicio Del Toro, Phineas O'Connell. I think that's um, What's-Her-Face's brother, right? That is Billie Eilish's Billie brother, Eilish's yes. brother, yeah. Mandy Moore and Tommy Dorfman. I feel like if I did a very, very, very light cursory Googling or IMDb search, it would be like two degrees or less to Jennifer Lawrence for all these people. Yeah. So I think it's just... It's just friends right now. And she's just taking a cut or something. I don't know. This is sort of like reminds me of the babysitters club, but it's like the Hollywood (laughs) assistance club. (laughs) They're just like matching things up. (laughs) I don't know. Good for her. And, and congratulations to everyone who has, you know, some help with all of their assisting, assistanting needs going forward. (laughs) We wish them well. Yeah. (gasps) All right. Moving on. Amanda, when we last spoke, we were in the middle of Daisy Jones and the Six. And now, mm-hmm. speaking of Reese Witherspoon, all 10 episodes are available on Amazon. Side note, also available on Amazon, I believe. Amazon Music, I don't have it. Marin Morris and Marcus Mumford doing a cover of Look What Us Now, parentheses, Honeycomb. Really? Yes, I love Marin Morris. So, Did they write the song? Um, I think Marcus, Mor- Marcus Mumford contributed to writing it. Okay. If I ever had songwriting needs, I feel like I could get Marcus Mumford for a decent price. He also did the Ted Lasso theme song. He's yeah. A, he's really he's into available. doing TV projects. Anyway, so I feel that Daisy Jones, the TV show, has been out long enough that we can talk about the ending without spoiling it. I also feel that probably over half of the audience of Jam Session has read the book, so they know how it ends. So that's what I wanted to ask you. And I I put this segment in because you were out of the country last week and I kept remembering to text you, but only when it was like 3 a.m. where you were. And I just wanted to talk to you about the ending. So this is how the book ends. Okay, so spoiler alert, I guess. Skip ahead if you don't want to hear about the ending of a wildly popular book that like probably at least three of your friends have read, has read. In the book... You're reading an oral history. And in the in a, Amanda, as an editor and a writer, you know that with a good oral history, whoever has written it, if it's done well, really fades away. And you don't think about who is presenting this information to you and all the editorial decisions that has gone into how they are presenting block quotes to you. And so credit to Taylor Jenkins Reid. In reading Daisy Jones and the Six, by the time I got to page 300... 
I didn't like for a second think about who is this person who has written this oral history or whatever. And then you find out that it's his daughter, but it's Billy's daughter. By the way, he's three in the book. And so it's like actually a reveal that's well done in the book. And I was hopeful it was going to be well done in the show where you'd be like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Because when Bill and I were talking about it on the Prestige Pod, he was like, this is not how music documentaries work. You would never get this kind of response or like people wouldn't talk this way. And then I and I was thinking as he said that, well, like maybe it's because it's Billy's daughter or whatever. But it's so rushed and poorly done in the TV show that it's just like, is this a joke? But yes, this is how it ends in the book. There's, there's not a video because it's an oral history, not a documentary. But I think there's like a letter or something like that that Camilla leaves behind that's like, tell your father. Right, right, right. No, no, no. You just yada yada actually the thing Sorry. that I wanted to talk about. I So, yes, part one of the ending is that it's revealed that the person who's making this documentary is Billy's daughter. I gotta be honest, I that just like, I moved right through it. Yeah. Didn't, I didn't care. And like, I didn't have a problem with the flashback yeah. format aside from Riley Keough's side bangs. Like, I didn't have a problem. Like, I was like, fine, cool. This is the way you're telling the story. I'm watching a TV show, like whatever. And then at the end they were like, oh, it's the daughter making the documentary. Like that worked. That felt, the reveal felt appropriate to the amount of investment I had given in that structure, which was minimal. Part two is that in the span of 30 minutes at the end, they quit the band and kill off Camilla. And then she, like, leaves a video from the dead reuniting Billy and Daisy. In the span of 30 minutes, this poor woman dies. And they think that's emotional resolution. Does that happen in the book? Where she just, is? it's like, oh, no, she's sick and now she's dead? The pacing is not like that. I think you find out earlier in the book that she dies. Like, it becomes clear that, that, she's, that she's gone. Also... Camilla is like not like I believe not like sort of like pushed aside and like shows up f- like once in a while. You also are not have to face with Camilla Marone, who is a kid who's like adjusting a wig to let you know she had cancer. I mean, that was the absolute worst moment of the show. Like when she's like adjusting her wig beforehand, and she like actually has never looked younger because they tried to like make her look skinny. I think because she's supposed to be sick. I mean, that moment is so horrible. It undercuts like all the good stuff about the show. But in the book, it's a, it's just like a lot more, it's just a lot more better done. Also, like there's a lot more time, I think, in between like when Camilla dies and then when his daughter is like revealing what Camilla said when she was doing okay. this research. Like it's just not, it's just, it's the, the problem of pacing is not germane in the book. And whereas it's like very distracting in the show. Yeah, it was just like a wrap up of about 10 minutes of what could have been at least two more episodes. Yeah. And, and also in the book, they don't like meet up again. You just find out that like Camilla tells, gives Billy permission basically. Okay. So Which also honestly, seems like a cop out IMO. You know what I was thinking about? Do you remember that honestly, just like so incredibly devastating modern love column from like six years ago I by do. Amy, yes. Amy Krauss Rosenthal, where she's like, yes. you might want to marry my husband. It's yes, probably the saddest thing I've ever read. Thinking about it, I feel upset. Yeah. It reminded me of that, but not nearly well as done as, as well done. Yeah. I thought it was psychotic. 
I like I couldn't <laughs> believe that everyone like they made nine and a half. I thought really enjoyable, like thoughtful, like splashy and fun. Like that's the other yeah. thing for you know. For, I, I I've heard that the book has a lot of emotion. Whatever. Like they made like a full scale music drama that I looked forward to watching, and everyone looked really beautiful. I like a plus, and then it was it was like. It was so fast and so dumb. I couldn't believe it. It's just like everyone quit. The wig thing just really killed me. It's like they ran out of time, honestly. It's like they ran out of time and money and they're just like, okay, got to wrap it up. And I think they might have because did they, well, did they film this before COVID or during COVID? During and it ran long and over budget and they did have to just like wrap it up. I mean, they fucking filmed in Greece. Mamma Mia 2 didn't do that. So yeah. (laughs) I don't know. When I was in my work last week, by the way, I was thinking a lot about Mamma Mia too. I was like, oh, they could have filmed here. Looks similar. It's just an, an incredible sentence from someone who spent the first half of this episode being like, I don't really see the appeal of Gwyneth Paltrow. That's the appeal of Gwyneth Paltrow. When I was in my Orca last week, I spent a lot of time thinking about Mamma Mia too. It was a work trip, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Side note, just while we're while we're talking streaming TV, I assume you do not have any plans to watch Shrinking on Apple TV Plus. No, I am not a Jason Siegel person. I 100% am. Okay. It's like it's one of my toxic traits. I don't okay. know why. I just love him and I find him very funny and he has one very very funny scene in this show. But I bring it up because I want to mention the woman who plays his next-door neighbor Liz, Krista Miller. Side note, she happens to be married to Bill Lawrence, but they clad her in like exclusively the clothes that you see at a Claire V store that you're like, oh, that's cute. But like, I can't buy that. I'm already buying a $500 bag. I can't buy a $150 t-shirt. Okay, once again, <laughs> it's like Gwyneth has taken over your body, but continue. Anyway, she's wearing a lot of Claire V clothes and then like others. And then she was wearing a Ritz Paris sweatshirt that I was like, wow, I love that. And she just is like, and they live in Pasadena. If you if you watched TV and you liked Jason Siegel, you would love this show because it's in Pasadena. It's about therapy. It's like a lot of like cute, casual LA clothes. Jessica Williams is very funny in it. It's, and Harrison it's great. Ford is also in it. And Harrison Ford is very good. Yeah. In it too. I'm a very that pro well. Harrison Ford. Uh but yeah, I, I tried to not try to. I rewatched Forgetting Sarah Marshall for the big great picture film. recently. Yeah, and I understand it's a touchstone for people slightly younger than us. Not my bag. Just it is for just, me as well. It's a it's a strong non for me, but that's that's okay. There's so many funny things about that movie. Russell Brand, Paul Rudd, Jack McBride. Paul Rudd's very funny. The surfing lesson, very good. Did you think about Ashton Kutcher being a VC the whole time you were watching it? I did. Yes. <laughs> Hot Ashton Kutcher. Anyway, lastly, a couple of things we didn't get to hit on because I was um, thinking about Mamma Mia two and Far Off Lands. <laughs> Romy Mars's video where she uh, says that her parents are never home. I know she's also like can't identify an onion or a garlic. But to me, the real kicker was that she said my parents are never home. That's harsh. That's hard coming from your teen. My two favorite parts were one when she holds up the Grammy instead of the Oscar that is also in that home. And it's just a very funny choice. And then two fiasca slash it's international women's month i mean i i really enjoyed this content it will surprise no one to learn i 
Do we have confirmation that she made it and edited it? Because speaking of pacing, whoever actually did put this together, like this is a cinematic triumph. Like it, there is genuine talent somewhere in between the not knowing what a shallot is and the trying to put a helicopter charter on your dad's credit card. I really appreciate it. And it's also amazing how quickly we stopped talking about it. I guess yeah. because Gwyneth Paltrow showed up. I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow showed up and also great job by the Coppola's. I feel like there's a lot of Coppola shit. We just like, don't really dwell on now, including this video. And like, they just like really, they keep it under lock and key. And I would love like an oral history of Romy Mars's parents finding out about this video and demanding she take it down. And then the ensuing punishment, like, I would just like love that's like my true crime podcast that I would like. I would also, I would like the whole event. You know, I would like the chartering the helicopter. I would like to, as you post on Instagram, know about the camp. I would like to know where in Maryland they were going to dinner. You know, I have a lot of questions about intent and specific geography, but yeah, it, I thought it was absolutely hilarious. It was Harsh, once again, hilarious. Once again, I think this speaks to our desire for real content. This is like mm-hmm. Gossip Girl, but real. It's great. Yes. It's like the kind of thing that like Serena Vanderwoodson would have done. Mm-hmm. Love it. And finally, will we ever be rid of Giselle Bunchin and Tom Brady? I just feel like they're constantly in the news. She did her Vanity Fair cover of like "I'm back and I'm healing" or Didn't whatever. Didn't know you ever left, girl. Didn't miss you. And it was like mostly about. I don't know, her finding crystals or stuff, whatever. <laughs> Did you see the rumor to bring it back to Reese Witherspoon that like Dumois tried to do the Tom Brady Reese Witherspoon? I assume that was an April Fool's joke. Oh, was it? Was it on? A- but it was before. Oh, I, I don't know. I think I saw it on April 1st. So I was like, this has to be an April Fool's joke. I mean, this is an indictment of Tom Brady and nothing having to do with Reese Witherspoon, but he just would not date someone who looked like Reese Witherspoon. Like she's like too age appropriate. Like she dresses her age. She looks like a normal human. Like she looks not normal. She's a celebrity, but like she looks alive and he would only wants to like, you know, be dating Camilla Marone. Right. This is a man who's never had a strawberry. Also just geographically, it doesn't really seem like he's left, you know, he, his Florida yeah, enclave. He hated Brentwood, so I don't yeah. think he's going back there. I don't know. I don't buy it. I'm sick of those two. I never need to hear from either again. I, I don't think that's likely for you. I do like it when Tom Brady's like being a dad. I think it's funny and gives us good content. But other than that, not a ton of interest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Giselle Bunchin, we wish you well. Please go away. Anything else you want to hit, Amanda? No, I, we got all of it. We We did my Daisy Jones. I'm still reeling from that. But also I'm like, I wish that they were making another season of Daisy Jones. I, I don't know if Coachella still has the same cachet that it used to, but I feel like Daisy Jones chic will be very much the look this year at Coachella. Yeah. I, I, I think, I don't think anyone else should try it. That would be my fashion advice <laughs> to them, but it's not like anyone <laughs> attending Coachella has taken my fashion advice in some time. So I forgot that's like soon. I hope everyone has a great time. I won't be going. <laughs> Alrighty, thank you to our producer Jade Whaley. We'll be back next week.